Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Home, marriage was the first institution that God placed in the earth. Let me tell you what's important to God. Marriage and the home and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what you don't work against. Marriage and the home and the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't work against... I, listen, I've seen people try to separate other people, try to say things, to, to wedge in their marriage. Listen, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Once it's done, it's done. You better leave it alone. You'll get in trouble for that. And then it's the same with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not touch the church. You do not touch God's anointed. And you don't do things to mess up and tear up a church. Gossip. Talking about things. Talking about people. Causing problems. Stirring up problems. Listen, if you do that, you better repent. I'm telling you now, you better repent. Because these are the two institutions that are most important to God that Jesus gave His life for. He came to this earth. And we don't mess with it. We don't mess with it. But we cooperate with it. Amen? And so that's very important for us to remember that. If we do marriage God's way, we will succeed at stopping the enemy. But if we don't do it God's way... We have no assurance that that will happen. But there's a 100% assurance if you do it His way, things will change if you both want to work on it. Now, if both of you don't want to work on it, one of you begin. One of you begin. And start the process. I tell you, sometimes there needs to be things spoken. There needs to be I made a mistake. I am sorry. There needs to be those words that are spoken in our homes. Look, even with my children, if I mess up, if I'm yelling when I ought to be correcting, if I'm screaming when I ought to be talking, you know what? I don't, I don't mind at all to go back and say, you know what? Discipline, disciplining you is right. Yelling and screaming is wrong. And I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to practice it. I know people and have talked to people and they might have been married for 50 years. And you know what? Nobody will say, I'm sorry. Or one of them will never say, I'm sorry. That is a shame. Do you know that the Bible talks about meekness? Everybody say meekness. That means humility. It doesn't mean somebody who's weak. It really has to do with strength under control, if you want to know the truth. I could rant and rave. I could hold unforgiveness, but I humble myself under the mighty hand of God, which is His Word, and I say I'm sorry. I let go of unforgiveness. I want to tell you something. Do you know what unforgiveness will do for you? Unforgiveness, if you hold on to it, number one, God said you better let it go or I'll not be able to let the sins that you do go. When you stand praying, the Bible says forgive. So forgiveness can be steps sometimes. It's not only, you know, my emotions. I say I forgive, but then my emotions have to catch up with it. You know what I'm saying? But I choose to make a decision. I am going to forgive. 
Yes, they said some ugly things to me. Yes, they hurt me, but I choose to forgive. And once you forgive, let it go. Forgive and let go. See, some people say, I forgive, but I'll never forget it. No, see, that's not scriptural. You forget it and then you let it go. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse and uh, so, you know, you make up and everything's lovey-dovey, but the next time some little something sets one of you off and you start delving into what happened two months ago. Have you ever been there? Well, I knew this and I knew that and you remember you did this and you remember you did that. No, forget it. You do damage when you start digging all that stuff up. And see, some people say they forgive, but they do what I call kitchen sinking. Now, sometimes in my kitchen, I've been known to let the dishes pile up on one side of the sink because it's like, I don't like to put them in that dishwasher. I eventually do, but I'll let them pile up there, okay? Well, for breakfast, I had a piece of toast, so I had a plate and a cup, wash, rinse it off, stick it over there in the sink. Then for lunch, I ate a sandwich and some vegetables and dip and had something to drink, maybe a bowl of ice cream. Doesn't that sound good? Okay. Well, then I clean all that. I just rinse all that out, and I put it over in the sink. And then dinner, you know, whatever you do, and then rinse it out and set it in the sink. How many of you know before long, it's overflowing? It's not just one side of the sink. It's two, and then it's the counter. Well, see, sometimes that's the way we do in relationships with our spouse. Listen to me now. We say we forgive, but in our hearts we're holding on to things. And when he snipped at me yesterday, I put that dish in the sink. Then when he forgot my birthday, didn't get me a card, then I put that in the sink. Then when I asked him to fix something and he didn't do it, I put that in the sink. You understand what I'm saying? And then one day he comes in and he says one little thing to you and then what happens? <laughs> the volcano. Why? Because you've been holding all of that in. All the, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And all the time you get more distant, 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 and then you blow up. How many of you know I'm preaching right? That's really true. Now, singles, are you pulling with me? Okay, I believe you are. I feel it coming. So you know what I'm saying is true. You got to forgive, you got to forget, and you've got to let go. I remember the disciples came to Jesus one day and they said, how many times do I need to forgive? If you figure it out, it's like 490 times a day or something, 470, whatever. A lot of times, in other words. So when our spouse does something, what do we need to do? Forgive them. Forgive them. Now, do I mean that there's not times that we need to talk things out? Yes, we do. But you know what? Choose your battles. Don't make a battle out of everything. You know what? In marriage, it took me a little while to to find that out. It was like... Every time there was something, I wanted to make a big deal out of it. And guess what? Things didn't go so well because we clashed. Well, who wants to clash? I don't like it. I like peace, don't you? 
And I was very young when I got married. See, so Eddie and I just kind of grew up together. You know what I'm saying? But it didn't take me a long time to find out, look, I am not going to argue and fuss about things that make absolutely no sense. If he says something or he does something and I don't like it, I'm just going to let it go on, you know. And then he does the same thing. And then guess what? We have peace. Now, see, I'm not talking about somebody who clams up and goes into their shell and never talks because we talk and have talked over the years, and there's things, there's conflicts and things that you have to work through, and so you need to talk. But I'm going to tell you something. You need to decide rules for conflict. You need to decide what the ground rules are going to be, and then both of you stick to them. What would that be? Number one, one of you talk at a time. Have you ever tried to everybody arguing at the same time? Who hears what the other one is saying? See, sometimes though, we'll say, well, I'm listening. See, talk, and then one listens, and then the other one listens, and the other one talks. Okay, but this is what we do sometimes. He's sitting there, and he's talking to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not hearing a word he's saying because all the time I'm thinking, well, I'm going to say this and you did that and that's why, I'm, you know, here we go. No, see, I said talk, one talk, one listen, then switch. The other one listen, the other one talk. And if you listen, guess what? You hear a viewpoint that you didn't understand. You're hearing about something that you didn't see it that way. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You women, you're just like a bowl of spaghetti. You men, you are just like a waffle. And what do I mean by that? We are not alike. We think differently. We're emotionally different. We respond differently. Men do not, my husband does not understand me when I start talking about one thing and then I jump over to something else and then I come back to this and then I'm back on something else. He doesn't understand me. Can you imagine that? (laughs) But now you women, if you were with me, you'd keep right up with me. You'd keep right up with me and know where I'm going. Okay? Then now you take my husband, and he's like you men. He's a waffle, and he is very pragmatic, and he thinks very logically. (laughs) And I'm wanting to say, go... Let's go. Let's do something. And he doesn't understand if I don't understand him. Okay, so what do you have to do? Did God not uniquely make us as men and women and he created us to be the way that we are? So we enjoy the differences and not make them a battle. I respect my husband and I like to listen to him because I know he's wise and he's got a viewpoint. If, I, if I'm doing something in my life, I would never do it without talking to him. And he's the same way. He'll talk to me about what he's doing. You know why? Because we balance each other. It's a wise person who will do that with their spouse. But see, maybe you have to develop that. Maybe you're not used to talking to each other. Maybe you're not used to that. 
And so you have to begin to develop in that way and appreciate the differences instead of making war upon them. It's true. I feel those singles bearing down in prayer right now. Okay, I want us to look at God's design for marriage and the home. And I want you to turn with me to Genesis chapter number 2. Before I get into that scripture, I want to say this. You know, many times in our homes... We are passing on the traditions or modeling our marriage based on our parents' marriage. You know that's true? Well, now, if you had a good, healthy home and your parents had a good marriage and, and you know, they got along and, and were loving and kind to each other and treated each other right, then that's wonderful. But even at that, you'll still carry things in that are going to be different from your husband that might not be those kinds of things, but just the way the family was, you know? And so when you come together, you're meshing two thoughts of marriage together, and you've got to come to common ground on what that marriage ought to be. Well, how many of you know? It ought to be on the Word of God. So if you are married and maybe your parents... You didn't like the model that was there. Then you've got to go to the Word. Or they might have had a great marriage, but now you build on that foundation. You understand what I'm saying? But today, see, we have dysfunction in the family and in the home like never before. And the devil is tearing away at the fabric of the home. There's no doubt about it. And so we as the church, we've got to do something about it. How can we do something about it? Number one, begin to work on our own home and our own marriage and then begin to share the truths that we learn with other people. Isn't that true? It's really true. And if we do that, then we can see some change. Now, uh, my mother and daddy were married for 20-something years, and of course he passed away very early, only 48 years of age. Uh, but, you know, they, we had a happy home. You know, I wouldn't say that it was the best marriage in the world, but they, you know, they raised us and did what was right, you know. And so that was good. When I went into marriage, I was looking at marriage like this is a lifetime commitment because my parents were committed to each other for life. And so I had that model to go in with. And then there were some things that I saw, and I thought, well, I would like for that to be, I would like for my marriage to be a little different because I saw things and was there, you know, uh, and I believe they were uh, totally committed to each other, so it's nothing like that. But I just saw things that I would like to be a little bit different. So when I came into my marriage, I brought those thoughts with me. Now let's look at Genesis chapter number two, and I'm going to read verse number 24. Now, This first foundational truth that I want to talk about this morning is prioritizing your marriage. That is the first truth I want to talk about. Prioritizing your marriage. Everybody say prioritizing. Prioritizing. My marriage. It says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. There's a lot of truths in that scripture. But here, this word where it says shall... Uh, a man leave his father and mother, that denotes priority. 
That's really what it's talking about there. Now, does it mean that you forsake your mother and father and your family in a way that you never talk to them? You, you don't have a relationship with them? No. It means, though, you grew up in a home and your mother and father, you were in that home and they raised you, cared for you, fed you, led you, guided you. And then you come to a time where you go to the altar and what do you say? I forsake all others. Isn't that what you say? I forsake all others. And so it means that you prioritize the relationship of marriage. Now, it's easy for us to prioritize marriage in the early days when we're newlyweds. You know, I read something or heard something the other day and it was talking about in natural speaking, naturally speaking terms. It said, you know, the happiest couples are the newlyweds. And then when uh, the childbearing years and you have children, then things begin to go down and begin to wane. And then when the children turn 18 or they're out of the home, things begin to pick up a little bit. And then when you reach, you know, the, uh, the, get in the aged years, uh, it begins to go down again because of sickness and having to care for one another and that kind of thing. Well, see, that's naturally speaking. That is not the way it has to be for us as the children of God. God wants us to have a happy home, a great strength uh, uh, built marriage, and He wants us to be united in our homes. But in order for that to happen, we have to prioritize that marriage. See, in the early days, what do we do? That marriage is great, it's number one, it's above everything else. Isn't that right? Now, it shouldn't be above our relationship with God. Our relationship with God should be number one, that's for sure. But then underneath our relationship with the Lord, what do you think that it should be? Marriage. Our marriage. See, marriage is not above our children. Because if you don't take care of your your marriage, you're going to cause the children to suffer. So it's God, your marriage, and your children. Amen. You understand that? Yes. Because if you put your children above your marriage, it's not going to work. Amen. You know why? Your husband will not like it. Amen. He'll get jealous. And you know what? He should. Amen. It's the same way for a woman. You know, uh, and her husband has a hobby. And it's like he's married to the hobby and golfing or whatever it is. And you know what? The woman will get jealous. And see, it shouldn't be that way. Marriage should be number one. Should we have hobbies? Yes. We've already said that. You should do things. You should be active in in hobbies and things that you like together and apart. It's okay. But you've got to prioritize that marriage. And so you are... It's easy to do it in the, the... early days of marriage. But then after that, you have to work at it. Marriage just does not happen and become successful. You've got to work at it. Somebody said, yes, it's 50-50. I'm here to beg difference. It's 100% and 100% that you both give. And you prioritize your marriage and you prioritize your relationship and you say, this person that God has given me, they're number one in my life. And I'm not going to let anybody else infringe upon that. Not friends, not anyone else. You know, sometimes the guys, they want to go out and be with the guys, and that's great. They need friends. But if it's too much, it's too much. 
Okay, am I talking about being a domineering, smothering woman or domineering, smothering man? No, I couldn't stand that. I couldn't, and you shouldn't. That's not marriage. When I'm talking about prioritizing marriage, it means that I see this person that God has placed in my life as number one beneath God, beneath the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to do everything I can, and I should want to do everything I can to help my marriage and to help them become who God wants them to be. And see, we've got to put each other first. And we see here that the man leaves his father and mother. In other words, he forsakes other things and, and, and he puts the marriage partner first. Leave all others. Your spouse is the most important relationship. And let's remember that, okay? Underneath the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't put other people ahead of our spouse. See, many times, see, we start taking each other for granted, and we may do that. But we're not going to do that, are we? The foundational truth that I've imparted here today is that you prioritize your marriage. We know that there's a devil. We know that the erosion process is out there, and it could be happening in our homes. But we make a decision today that we're going to stop that, and the first way that we're going to do it is we're going to put our husband or our wife as number one in our life. And then under that, we're going to put our children up there, and we're going to prioritize them, and we're going to train them, and we're going to love them, and we're going to discipline them, and we're going to do what we need to do to bring them up under the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And you know what? We're going to see our homes get strong. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.